welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey, Kingdom Culture family, welcome to our online Sunday experience. So great to see all of you on here. If you've been tracking with us for the last several weeks, we've been kind of celebrating 10 years as a local church community. So the last three Sundays were really centered around that. And I hope you enjoyed my two-part sort of mini-series where I broke apart the 10 things that I've learned as a lead pastor uh, over a, a, a church community in the last 10 years. And I hope that empowered you, hope it encouraged you. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. I really encourage you to do that. I know it will really empower you. And just a little bit of a shout out. If you haven't yet subscribed to our Supernatural Leadership Podcast, I would encourage you to do that. The link is in the description below. I really encourage you to uh, subscribe today. Lots of great content. A lot of our online um, leadership podcast content that you hear in audio is coming out on video. So you're seeing these live interviews happening and there's some really powerful ones. And so I'd encourage you, if you haven't already, subscribe to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Like I said, link is in the description below. I know you won't regret it. Today, I wanna dive into um, uh, a passage out of the book of Titus. Out of the book of Titus and just to give you a little bit of context, Paul wrote this letter to Titus, and Paul and Titus had this cool relationship, and they they evangelized together, especially on the island of Crete. And after you know, in Acts two, when Peter opened up his mouth on the day of Pentecost, so many believers were really getting saved across this area, and uh, it spread like wildfire. And Paul and Titus likely did a good deal of evangelism on the island in the weeks before Paul commissioned Titus to a leadership position there. And so Paul is encouraging Titus, just like he encouraged his spiritual son, Timothy. And Paul wrote this letter specifically in the book of Titus, uh, which really is the letter to Titus, um, from Nicopolis in AD 63, after the apostles released from his first Roman imprisonment. So he's had some experience in prison at this point. And he's writing to Titus, encouraging him in his leadership um, and encouraging him in how to navigate some of the things that he is up against, just like he did with Timothy. And so in verse 4 of chapter 3 of the book of Titus, this is what it reads, But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us, This is what I want to highlight. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This passage really is 
an important reminder for us. If you're a believer, you've been walking with Jesus for some time, or maybe you're on the, the search and maybe you've been on the fence, this passage really helps us understand what the salvation experience is for us. I mean, it's so many things we could do, you know, a whole year of teaching on just that alone. I mean, actually it never ends, really, hypothetically speaking, it never ends. We'll always be talking about what salvation means to us in our everyday and how that uh, pertains to our whole entire life. But I want to highlight this one section here. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. He saved us through. Now, of course, this all happened because of Jesus' death and resurrection. This is why this was even able to happen. The Holy Spirit was sent because Jesus left. Jesus said, behold, I'm leaving. I'm going to send you another. He'll guide you into all truth. He'll take what is mine and make it known to you. He'll remind you of what I've said to you. He'll do all these things. He'll guide you into all truth all the days of your life. He is your partner. He is the spirit that you're going to commune with. He is the voice of God on the earth. He is the one who dwells with you and in you. And, and this is so important to understand. But I want to focus on this part. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing. Really, this passage is a passage declaring over our lives that we didn't find God, God found us. I think this is a lot of, uh, in our, our language, like we're searching for God, we're, or we found God, you know, we found him. Well, no, really the, the, the right theological perspective in all of this is that he found us. And he, in fact, he first chose us. He first chose us because he first found us. I mean, he created us. We did not find him, so to speak. And I think a lot of us like to kind of own this, I found God. No, God found you. He was knocking on the door of your heart over and over again, and you just let him in. You let him in. You said yes to his search after you. And of course, after that, we're searching him out. We're, we're knocking on doors and we're pursuing him. But ultimately, he found us. And it's through the salvation experience, okay? And so, you know, I, I think this passage, one of the things that speaks to me is that he recovered, he recovered us. He recovered in us through his son all that was lost. All that was lost in the Garden of Eden. You know, in the Garden of Eden, you have Adam and Eve, perfection, no sin yet, until they ate the apple, until they chose independence from God. It speaks to independence. I'm choosing to be independent from God, okay? God gave them an opportunity to be in perfect vulnerable, naked is the word relationship. They were actually naked. They didn't know they were naked. They didn't even know what naked was. It just was. They were just vulnerable. In other words, there's nothing hidden between their most vulnerable parts to God. This is the kind of relationship God wants to have with us where nothing is hidden. Nothing is held in secret. We're just having this vulnerable, real, intimate relationship with the one who created us. And this was kind of lost. This was lost in the garden through sin. And as a result, everyone born after that was born lost, so to speak, was born into that space, was born into that spiritual prison, so to speak. And that's why Jesus, who was the Savior, he's called the Savior, the Messiah, he's the one that got us out of that. That was already in plan, at a plan before the foundation of the earth ever began. I mean, Revelation says it, that the Son of Man was slain before the foundations of the earth. So this was already a plan in place. There was already a redemption plan in place. But this passage really speaks about what God has recovered in us and through the death and resurrection of his Son. Recovering something that was lost. In other words, we were the ones that were lost and God found us. 
This is the beauty of the gospel. He found us, he searched us out, he died on a cross, a willing death so we could have a new life. So I'm talking today from this vantage point or this subject, recovered it, what happened with salvation? And it's really a question. What happened with salvation? What happened with it? Let me just, before we dive into this deeper, let me just pray. Father, I pray today that you'd help us get a grip on some of the basics of our faith, the foundational truths that matter moving forward in Jesus' name. God, I think we talk so much about all kinds of peripherals often, and I just pray that we would get back to some of the core basics in our faith in this season and build again. Maybe there's cracks in our foundation. Maybe there's issues with how we're building, how we're moving ahead. And maybe it's because we've lost some of or we've forgotten some of the most important elements of our faith. And that's understanding salvation, understanding what salvation is all about and how what, what is it? What, what, what happened with salvation? What happened when salvation came knocking on our door? I pray that we would have an understanding in this season in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at verse 5, Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Not by works of righteousness. You didn't earn it. You can't earn salvation. People often want to brag about their good works. Look how, look how much I did over here or gave over here. and Look how generous I am. And I do this and I do this for the poor and I'm compassionate. Yeah, that's all good. None of that... None of that equals salvation. Nothing that you can do earns God's salvation reward. It's a reward. It's a gift. Nothing that you can do can earn that. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. We have not worked ourselves into righteousness by our righteous acts, okay? But according to his mercy. Mercy is different than grace. Grace is something that's undeserved. It's an enabling power that's undeserved by God's grace. It's a favor that comes on you to be able to live the life that you're called to live. It's undeserved, unmerited favor. Some people want to call it, say, it, say it like that. Mercy is not giving you what you do deserve. And so it says here, by according to his mercy, he saved us. So you deserve the penalty. You deserve to be in the penalty box. You deserve, because of your sin, to be punished. But Jesus, or you deserve to be in debt forever because of your sin. But while you were yet still sinners, Romans says, Jesus died on the cross paying your sin debt, pulling you out of the penalty box because the devil had a power play. You were in the penalty box. Devil had a power play because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. Mankind was literally, so to speak, put in the penalty box. But Jesus came. Jesus came and died and resurrected to pull us out of that place, to pull us out of that prison cell, pull us out of that penalty box, so to speak. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just break down this saved, okay? When he says he saved us, he's talking about the salvation experience, okay? What the, 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 the salvation experience came through the washing of regeneration and renewing. We'll get to that in a second. Of course, all this comes through the cornerstone in Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm not, I'm not veering from that, but I'm just breaking this down for you, this verse down for you. The word saved is the word sozo. One could define this word as meaning the deliverance of the soul, the healing of the body, and the salvation of the spirit, okay? This is, this is what one could, could describe, or you could call it the healing of all, body, soul, and spirit. The rescuing from darkness, the delivering out of danger, delivering one into safety. This is what the word described and, and describes. Of course, it's used principally of God rescuing believers from the penalty 
and power of sin. It's his provision of safety. I called it the penalty box. He's literally saved us from the penalty box. Sin puts us there or put us there back in the garden. In the garden, that's what sin did. And the devil had a power play. Like I said, he had a power play. He, was, he had the winning hand. But Jesus already had a plan. He already had a plan and, you know, he was, he was going to send his son. In fact, his son, spiritually speaking, already died. It was already in place, spiritually speaking. It was only a matter of time before that plan of redemption came and was enacted in the natural. The God came as a man in the form of Jesus, died a willing death, sinless death, so that we could be set free from sin. So sin would no longer have mastery over us, like Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Now let me just read... Uh, it, this same passage out of Titus chapter 3, verse 3, out of the message translation. I love how it's worded. Just to kind of elaborate, give you different language around this passage. It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn, dupes of sin, ordered every way by our glands. <laughs> I love that. Going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back. But when God, our kind and loving Savior God, stepped in, he saved us from all of that. It was all his doing. So nothing that we had to do with it. We didn't have any doing in it. Yes, we received it. We just opened up our hand. We received the free gift of salvation. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath. Gave us a good bath and we all came out of it new people. Washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit, our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. I love this. God's gift has restored our relationship, or let's say it recovered. Recovered our relationship with him and given us back what was lost, back our lives. We had lost our lives. We got them back. The right life, the life that we were called to live from the beginning of time. The life adopted according to Ephesians. We've been predestined to be adopted into the family of God. In some way, it's like we were, we, we exited the family of God through sin. We exited, we exited that relationship. Adam and Eve exited by their own choice. God didn't exit. God didn't detach himself. God didn't separate himself. We separated ourselves from God in our own mind, our own thinking, our own heart because of our actions, choosing independence from God. And when I say we, collectively because we is represented in the actions of Adam and Eve, which is why Jesus is called the second Adam to deliver us from what the first Adam had done. And Paul talks about this in his letters to the church at Corinth, okay? So we're continuing to read this on in, uh, I don't know what verse we're at because it's all kind of mishmashed the message, but it says, he gave us a good bath and came out as new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our savior Jesus poured out new life chill generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. And it ends with this, and there's more life to come, an eternity of life, and you can count on this. God, since the beginning, had a plan to recover what was lost in the garden, that relationship to be restored, recovered, because sin and disobedience, we have, when we accept the reality of what Jesus did on the cross for our sin and sickness, we are recovered and have the healing, like I said, the sozo, the healing of our spirit, soul, and body, the full person. Now, there is argument out there, okay, that we are uh, um, we are not a triune being. We are not three parts, body, soul, and spirit. There are lots of theological debate out there that we are simply a bipart being in the sense of like we have spirit and soul really as one and body. 
Um, I am going to speak from the vantage point as I believe biblically, I believe from just study, from uh, reading the word that's in front of me all the time so that I have whole lessons on this, that we are in fact a triune being. Um, I would say that the argument doesn't really have a lot of uh, sort of weight when it comes to your salvation. It doesn't change a lot, but I believe scripturally speaking, we are in fact a triune being made in the image of God, Father God, Father the, the Son, Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, that we are made in the image of God, and there is a three-part component to who we are. So anyways, let's talk about this based upon this verse here. I mean, this verse even helps us break it down even more. So number one, we're talking about the regeneration of spirit, the regeneration of spirit. This is the new birth, okay? So when I say this question, like what happened with salvation? I want us to understand that there are certain things that happened when we let Jesus be the master leader king over our lives. He died on a cross before we were ever even born to forgive us of sin before we ever even sinned, okay? He did all the work for us. All we have to do is say yes. All the work we have to do is just say yes and lean in and receive the gift of eternal life. You can reject it or you can receive it. It's really up to you. You've been given a free will, a free choice, and if you're watching this, maybe you've said yes. If you're watching this, maybe you haven't said yes yet, but you're on the journey. Well, I'm talking, hopefully you're gonna get and see what happens as a result of the salvation sozo experience. So in verse, um, let's start off with verse, so verse five really just is the verse I wanna highlight here. It says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. I've already explained this, kind of elaborated on this a little bit, but according to his mercy, he saved us through, there's two components here, the washing of regeneration and renewing. We're talking about what is this regeneration? Well, it's the regeneration of spirit. It's our, what we call our new, it's our born again, our born again spirit. You've heard it said like that. John 3 verse 3 talks about it. We'll get there in a second. Let's break down this word regeneration for a second in the Greek. This, this word for regeneration literally comes from a word that means spiritual rebirth or figuratively speaking, a spiritual renovation, a messianic restoration, a regeneration. It, it, it comes from two words that, 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 like, that actually mean again and a beginning. So that's where we get the idea of born again, the coming of new birth because we're born again, we're regenerated, we're born again, okay? There is a renewal. Another way of looking at this is um, simply just the, the word renewal, just renewal, being renewed on all fronts. Re, the rebirth of a physical creation at Christ's return. This rebirth uh, happens when there is a conversion to say yes to Jesus, saying yes to the salvation opportunity and invitation that he is giving us. And remember that the Holy Spirit and our human spirit, that is the connection. That's what's communing. It's not our soul. This is where I would differ and I say we are a triune being. It's our spirit that communicates with God's spirit. It's not our soul. Yes, the soul makes you you. The soul is your personality, what makes you you. I would say, based upon scripture, that the soul is what's saved. The spirit is what's reborn. The soul is what's delivered from self and the spirit is simply reborn, reborn again from above. And we see this in John 3 verse 3. But before I go there, 
Just to elaborate on this, this communion point that I just mentioned, it's our human spirit that communes with his spirit that we are, in fact, children of God. And because we've been born again, we have that, that, that uh, access point that was lost, restored, so that we can commune with the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, verse 16 says, For his spirit joins with our spirit, not our soul, our, our human spirit that... Uh, uh, joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. The identity of who we are as sons comes from this connection point between spirit to spirit, our, our human spirit with the Holy Spirit. John 3, verse 3, Jesus answers and says, assure, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you that unless a person is born again, which the word in the Amplified would elaborate anew from above, so born from above, born again. Okay, so you're not going back into your mama's womb. He's spiritually speaking here. You're not going back. You can't go back into your mama's womb, but something on the inside, it's like you're going back into the womb of your father and coming out a new person. Okay. You're born again from above. Unless one is born again, he cannot see. That word for see literally can be elaborated like to know, to be acquainted with, and to experience the kingdom of God. So unless you're born again, born from above, you will not have the experience or be acquainted with or know the kingdom of God. So, and because we were born in darkness when we were first born, now we are, when, when Jesus comes into our life, we are now reborn into and of the light. That's why the Bible calls us children of light. We're no longer children of darkness. We're children of light. We're reborn from above. Now, in this process, our old nature is totally crucified. Our old nature is literally castrated. The Bible says it, it's like it's circumcised away from us. That sinful nature is cut at the root. When this experience happens, we, we become a brand new creation. And we'll get to this in a second. But one of the things that happens is that we've been now given this understanding or this call, this commission from God that we have a new ministry called the ministry of reconciliation, which is actually what brought us to God in the first place. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 18 to 20 says it like this, but all things are from God who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him this is the call this is the mission over anybody who's walking with jesus right now verse 19 it was god personally present in christ reconciling and restoring the world let's say recovering okay recovering all restoring the world to favor with himself because there was lost favor there's a recovering there's a restoring not counting up and holding against men their trespasses not holding up against their sin debt not holding them up you know in in the context of all the bad things that they've done okay but canceling them he canceled all of it this is why it's good news and committing to us the message of reconciliation, which is of the restoration to favor or the recovering of favor. Verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us. We, as Christ's personal representatives, beg you for his sake to lay a hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. I think it's so important that we understand the power of, of what Jesus did through saving us by the regeneration of spirit. This is what that we 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 as believers in Jesus have have 
experienced this ministry of reconciliation, reconciling our lives back to God, favor restored, things that were lost no longer are lost. We as individuals that were lost are no longer lost. We were once blind, but now all of a sudden we can see clear. If you've ever not known Jesus your whole life, then you would remember very distinctively what it was like to be disconnected or have no understanding of God's love for you. But one, once that happened, once you had that experience, or maybe you haven't had that yet, but once you had that experience, it's like you, you know, you know the feeling of moving from darkness to light. One of the things that I did, uh, one of the first things that I did when I gave my life to Jesus as an 18 year old turning 19 and really being all in was I made it my objective. And it really was motivated from this type of this passage actually to make sure that I went after reconciliation, that I've been reconciled with God. Now I want, I want to go after reconciliation with those that I need reconciliation with. I remember, man, I, I remember there was a, um, uh, a short season and I think it was like, uh, maybe probably in that first six months that I had this crazy visitation with God four to eight hours a day. I was spending time in his word, praying, going to the street. I remember God speaking to me to go back to many people that I had went to school with, partied with, done drugs with, whatever the case may be. And I would go back and I would apologize. I would, and maybe I didn't, you know, I, I don't know if I, I would say that like, it's like I had to do that. If I didn't do it, I would like be missing out. But I, I felt the nudge. I felt motivated. I felt reading scriptures like this, that I needed to do my part to reconcile. And of course, I can't you can't reconcile yourself to everybody that you've ever wronged. But there were people that God highlighted to me that I felt were highlighted to me to to make this reconciliation with. And it was really a humbling experience. I mean, the first six months of my journey there were so many humbling moments, like so many raw, vulnerable, but it was all part of the foundation that I was building on. It was all part of God's journey for me and my character. It was all part of the testing. It was all part of like setting me up for spiritual significance and success that I wanted to be, and I wanted to maximize my spiritual potential. And so God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, how you want me to do it. This is such a powerful, powerful uh, a revelation that he has given us a ministry of reconciliation. Because of that, we can search for and seek after reconciliation with others. So we move from spirit to soul. Number two, we have the renewal of soul. He saved us through the regeneration, verse five, of spirit. We're talking about the rebirth, the reborn, the born again experience and the renewing of the Holy Spirit that comes from the Holy Spirit, but that renews our soul. We would call this sanctification. We would call this what really, and I kind of referred to it earlier, but God's cutting away of that sinful nature. Like we have been renewed. Now, you're thinking to yourself, well, why then? Why does Paul say in Romans chapter 12 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Here is the, here is the truth. And you could, there's, there's, we could do whole studies on this. The spiritual goal and mission and challenge of every believer out there is to continue to renew their mind into the truth that we have been sanctified, into the truth that we have been raised to new life, born again, seated at the right hand of the Father, into the truth that we have been set free. 
that we have been healed. The goal and the challenge, I say challenge because it is the challenge, is that we forget. Paul, uh, you know, recounts the communion uh, story, the Eucharist, where Jesus broke his body and, and, you know, and served the wine as a symbol of his blood and said, drink this, do this in remembrance of me. Because there's such a value, there's such a focus all throughout Jesus' teachings on remembering the things that he says because we're going to forget. And so the renewing of the mind really is all about continuing to push away forgetfulness so that we can live out the spiritual life we're called to live out. We're pushing out forgetfulness. We're renewing our mind into the, the truth that we already have the mind of Christ. According to what Paul says in Colossians, we have the mind of Christ to keep our eyes fixed on things above where Christ is seated. because That's where we are seated as well. To keep focusing on things that are noble, true, like Peter says, and praiseworthy. Like this is the, this is the goal. This is the challenge. This is the goal of our spiritual life to war against the lies that come against us that says to us, we're not victorious. When, when the Bible says that we are more than conquerors and the enemy comes and says, no, you're not more than a conqueror. Look at your life. It's a mess. You're still in sin. You're still struggling with this addiction. You're still, and this is the lie. He convinces you that you are not free. Therefore, you live as though you are not free. Now, some of you are thinking, wait a minute. Are you saying that, that like, I don't have to live righteous? I could say that I am the righteousness of Christ, but I don't have to live righteous. No, when you know that you are and you've renewed your mind into the fact that you are the righteousness of Christ in God, then you will live righteously. But when you forget, you come under that lie and condemnation again, because the Bible says very clearly, Paul said it, there is now no condemnation in Christ. So when you feel condemned, it's because you've not renewed your mind, you've lost that transformation, and you've forgotten whose you are. You've forgotten what he's done. You've, you've, you've literally done what Jesus said not to do. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Keep me at the forefront of your focus because when you do, you'll walk healed, you'll act, deli you'll, you'll act delivered, you'll live delivered, you'll live free. But when you forget and you don't do these things, reminding yourself of who you are, you will act as though I didn't even do anything on the cross. You'll act as though and live as though I didn't cancel your sin. I didn't cancel your sin debt. So what's the good news? The good news is, is that you're saved through the rebirth of your spirit. He's given you, he's, he's let you start all over again, okay? You started all over again. You're a brand new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away and he's renewed your soul. Your soul, remember, makes up you. It's who you are. It's what makes you tick. It's your personality. He saved that part of you. He's made that part of you sanctified holy, okay? Now track with me here for a little bit. This word renewing, this word renewing says a renewal, this is what it means in the Greek, a renewal or change of heart and life. Heart and life. Which is why I personally, I personally am of the opinion, and I, I've taught on this for years, that the heart really is a representation of the soul. The place of deep-seated emotion, the place that makes you you. Which is why the Bible says, you know, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the dead on the third day, you will be saved. Well, how do you believe with an organ? How do you believe with, your heart is a physical organ, right? It's like, how do you believe with a physical organ? Like, can your flesh, you know, have faith? Okay, I don't know. All I'm saying is that in this scripture, when you study it, really the heart is a representation of the deepest core spiritual domain of humanity. The heart represents, it's the soul. 
The spirit is reborn because it was born in darkness. It was shrouded in darkness when it was first born. It needed a savior to pull it out. Reborn, it's the regeneration experience like I talked about earlier. And the soul, the soul is delivered. It's healed. It's set free from you. All the things that make you you, that make you want to do things that aren't the right thing for your life. Your soul is what makes up you. And the soul is what is delivered. The soul is what's saved. And it's connected to the heart. I could go into what I believe the Spirit's connected to, but I'm not going to go there. It's going to take us all off track. So the renewing experience really means a renewal or change of heart and life. It's It speaks of completing a process. Not in process, completing a process. This is where lots of theological debate where you're, you're in process. Well, yes, you're in process, and we can argue this, you're in process. You haven't arrived. Like, you're, you're constantly moving forward, constantly being transformed by the renewing of your mind. But what are you renewing your mind into? You're renewing your mind into your already perfected state. Sean Gaby has been raised to new life, and I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Is there sin in heaven? No. So what am I renewing the soul part of me into? The spiritual version of me the spirit version of me that's been regenerated. What am I renewing? I've already been sanctified. I've already been set free. And I'm speaking now what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, because it feels like there's a conflict here. We've been renewed, and yet we are renewing our mind. You hear this? We've been renewed. We've been renewed by the salvation experience, because we if he saved us through the washing and re of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So we've been renewed, yet Paul says to be renewed by the transform, or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because we are constantly renewing our mind into the fact that our soul has been sanctified, renewed, and made holy. And we are coming into a place where we're understanding who we are in spirit, set aside at the right hand of the Father. Now, this opens up a whole can of worms, but this is why... I, I want to give us just like a, a little bit of a taste test on the beautiful good news of the gospel. Because if you're hearing this and you're hearing any of this, you're saying, well, I don't have to do anything. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's so good, it's too good to be true. That the only work you have to do is receive the one who was sent. And when you do that, if you understand by revelation what he's done for you, that he saved you through the regeneration and the renewing, of your spirit through the Holy Spirit, when you understand that, you will live that out. If you don't understand that and you want to work your way into salvation, you will always fight and you'll be fighting up against a brick wall your entire spiritual life. The moment you get a hold of this truth and this revelation, it will spill over into touching every, uh, every area of your life spiritually and you will advance in a way you've never advanced before. Now this renewing, let me just continue to break it down. I know I'm rabbit trailing a lot, but I'm like kind of feeling the inspiration as I'm talking and as I'm explaining this. This word for renewing, like I said, completing a process. And this intensifies this because one of the parts of this word uh, of renewing in the Greek, and I won't say the whole word, is where we get the word kano, which means make fresh, make, make new. It's where we get the word kanos, where, it, where Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we've been made a new creation. We're, we're, we're a chaos creation, a clean slated, brand new creation, brand new creature, okay? He didn't just take, and it's just, well, I don't like the word or the definition renovate. He didn't just take something, you know, barely functional and make it a little better. No, he actually made you a brand new creation. Like he tore down the house and rebuilt it from scratch again. That's really a better way 
of, of looking at it. It's a brand new development. This is what it means. A brand new development achieved by God's power. Achieved by God's power. So like I said, let's call this renewing what we call sanctification. And we can break this down a lot, and I'm not going to get into this too deep today. But 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 1, verse 2, Paul's writing to the church of Corinth saying this, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. So he's not talking about this, those who are in the process of sanctification. sanctification. Yes, in your mind you're thinking, well, what about what Paul said in Philippians, that you know, we need to work out our salvation with fear and troubling. This is a totally different context. This is not the same. Okay, he's speaking to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who are in every place called in the name of, of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. This word literally denotes a present condition resulting from a, pr- a past action. So it's already taken place. Jesus died on the cross and resurrected. He sanctified us. He renewed our spirit by the Holy Spirit. The Amplified says the same uh, the Amplified Version, in the, for the same verse, in verse 2 of chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, says it like this, The church assembly of God, which is in Corinth, to those consecrated and purified and made holy in Christ Jesus, who are selected and called to be saints, God's people, together with all those who in any place call upon and give honor to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Now, in this, this context, I mean, 1 Corinthians the first six chapters are are, are, are incredible. Um, we 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 have to understand that he opens up with this because he's actually dealing with some major non-sanctification behavior. <laughs> he's dealing with some major sexual immorality, and he's going to get into it five to six chapters later. And he starts to confront it in first first Corinthians chapter six. I want to go here for a second in this context, uh, verse eleven. It says, "As such were some of you." And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified. That word is, there was a completed action. That's what the word means, a completed action. But you were justified, you were made righteous, you were approved in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. And he's speaking, he's reminding them of their sanctification here. He's reminding them that they have been bathed, they have been washed, they have been set free because... There's some major sexual immorality taking place. In fact, there are people sleeping with their stepmothers. This is actually what was happening in this specific context. So there's major sexual immorality. In fact, this is where we get the scripture where he talks about how a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of uh, of stuff that gets into the, the mixture eventually affects the whole. And so he's confronting this. And he's reminding them that they've been sanctified. This is, once again, this is the goal, the challenge of our spiritual life. To be reminded, transformation happens. Transformation happens as we live out this reminding, this reminder that we've already been set free. This is where transformation lives. It's in the reminder, in the renewing of our mind constantly to remember what's already taken place within our soul, understanding from understanding that our spirit is the real version of us that has been already born again. So really the goal is to live from our spirit, to govern our soul, and we live that out in our body, through our body, which I'll get to in a second. This is the chain of command. This is what I, this is, this is how I would teach the way that we are, uh, the reason why we want to understand how we are in fact a triune being. We are in fact three parts. We are spirit, soul, and body. The spirit's reborn, seated at the right hand of the Father, been healed, set free. 
the the from the from darkness. The soul has been delivered from self, delivered, set free, healed as well. Sozo, salvation has happened to the soul. Soul, so the soul now has been sanctified, made holy, and is continuing now in the mind because the soul is made up of the mind, will, and emotions. The soul is catching up, being renewed daily into the truth that not only have we been sanctified, we have the mind of Christ, and that we are a brand new creation seated with Him in heavenly places. And we live all of that truth out in our everyday body. Okay, so if that wasn't a mouthful, I, I don't know, I don't know what is. Let's continue to move on, just to celebrate and focus and hone in on this beautiful truth of what Jesus has done for our lives. And Hebrews chapter 10, verse eight to 12 says this, first Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. The first covenant was all about works. It was all about behavior. It was all about do's and don'ts, okay? That was the first covenant. He cancels the first. Jesus fulfills the first. He cancels the punishment that 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 was supposed to happen because of the first. In other words, if you it's the it's the it's the law of sin and death. If you sin, there's death. There's some form of death that's going to happen. Well, he came to conquer death, which is which is really he conquered the sin so he could conquer the death, okay? And the sin was punished in his body. Verse 10. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ for once for all. Jesus, you, you do not confess your sin to be forgiven. You confess your sin because you've already been forgiven over 2,000 years ago before you ever even sinned. That is a mind-blowing revelation because we read Matthew 6, and the, the, the Lord's Prayer, and we're like, we have to do all this stuff. Well, remember, that that prayer that he taught them to pray was actually pre-New Covenant. It was still in the pre-New Covenant phase. So there were still these behavioral focuses that were happening, but Jesus came to introduce a New Covenant. Now, no longer was it just about your outward behavior. It was about your inward impulses. That now, if you, it's not just committing adultery on the outside. If you, if you lust in your heart, in your own heart, you're committing adultery. So it moved from outward, outward behavior to inward reality, inward truths, inward belief systems, inward desires and impulses. Like this is what, what changed in the new covenant. And so Jesus came to introduce a whole new way. And so now no longer is it about the outward behavior. It's about the internal environment of the heart. And it's about one time. Before it was about, I got to sacrifice, I got to, you know, sacrifice another animal, I got to do this and do that to get God to forgive me. Now it's just, he's forgiven you once and for all. Once and for all, he's forgiven you. Once you accept that forgiveness once and for all, he, once and for all, forever, he's forgiven you past, present, and future. You're like, that's too good to be true. Exactly. That's why Paul said it's scandalous. It's way too good to be true. It doesn't mean that you, you, you can abuse grace. It does not, it's not a license to sin. The goal now is to renew your mind into the fact that you've already got it all. And when you renew your mind into that, you're going to live the life that looks like righteousness. If you don't renew your mind into that and you just think, oh, I can do whatever I want, you're exactly what the Romans were. And Paul rebuked the Romans and said, listen, like, does that mean, because the Romans were saying, well, does that mean we could sin all the more and God's grace is going to abound? He's like, hell no. 
No, this is not what I'm talking about. And Paul rebukes them and course corrects them. And so this is, a lot of us think this way. No, the renewed mind will always spill over into a renewed, regenerated life in action. It will look like something. That's when you know someone's really got it. Someone's really got it. Let me continue. Verse 10. So, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before their altar day by day, day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. In other words, my work's done. I've done it. I paid the price. That's why he said, it's finished. Like, there's no more work. Like, I am sitting up here. I paid the price. I'm done. One sacrifice for all time. And this is what I want my people to live from. I want them to live from this place. From this place is so important. The New King James Version, verse 10, Hebrews chapter 10, says it like this. By that we will have, by that we will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Once again, speaking of uh, uh, a previous action and a present condition, I am presently sanctified right now. I've been delivered in my soul. So why do we go to counseling? We go to counseling, once again, to remind ourselves of who we are, to remind ourselves that we have the victory. This is the goal and the challenge of every believer, to remind themselves. This is why one of the things that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, he says he's going he's gonna to come and he's going to remind you of things that I've already told you. Well, this is what he's still doing today. He's reminding us of things that have already taken place. He's reminding us of things that have already taken place. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. This is Paul's, this is Paul's encouragement. We are more than conquerors. Well, if I don't feel like more than a conqueror, but I know that I am more than a conqueror, what's the challenge? The challenge is to renew my thinking into the truth of what Jesus says about my life. This is the goal of every believer. I hope that we're getting something from this. Number three, last point, which really is probably the simplest point to, to outlay, but the salvation experience has also affected our physical body. So yes, we're spirit, we're soul, we're body. So number three, restored body. We have regenerated spirit. We have renewal of soul. Number three, we have restored body. Now, this is a promise that was in the whole message of the cross, that not only would he die to set us free from sin, to set us free from ourselves, to deliver us, bring the salvation experience to all mankind, past, present, and future, but that he'd also die. He took the punishment in his physical body. His body would be physically broken so that our bodies could be physically healed. This is a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our rebellion. That rebellion, that rebellion, that, that, that this is what was recovered. Like we rebelled against God. He was punished. Our sin was the rebellion. So he was pierced for our sin, our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten. He was lashed 39 times on his back so we could be whole, healed, set free. He was whipped so we could be healed. This is a promise. Some scriptures say it like, by his stripes we have been or we are healed. This word could, could be defined or, or elaborated like to mend by stitching, to be repaired, to fully and completely be Healed. This is why we pray for healing. We believe that healing is 
part of the inheritance. Healing is part of the inheritance that comes from salvation. You know, as salvation comes to your house, guess what? You are now heirs of that salvation. You are heirs of that salvation. And angels are sent to you because you're an heir of salvation, according to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. All the heirs of salvation, they get the angels. They, they're, they're backing them up all the time. They're helping assist you in your everyday life. Chapter uh, 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 3, John. There's three books of, there's John, and there's like the John 1, John 2, John 3. Well, the, the 3 John, not 1, not 2, but 3. I just want to make sure I say it correctly. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So just as the spiritual part of you is prospering, don't forget that it's in the promise of salvation. So why salvation? What's up with salvation? It's in the promise of salvation that your body will also prosper in context to the fact that your soul also is prospering. I say in context because this word, just as in the Greek, literally means in proportion to, to the degree to the degree in direct proportion to correspond fully or exactly. So just as your soul is in prosperity, just as your soul is sanctified, it's been set free, it's been made holy, just as your soul is prospering, everything on the inside is prospering. His prayer was that the same way in direct proportion, your body would also directly parallel with that prospering. Such a good promise. Such a good promise. And so... These are the three things. Now, I know we went a little bit longer and I actually feel like I didn't intend to do it this way, but it feel, felt like more of a teaching type of a Sunday. And I hope that you got something out of this. I know there's going to be questions probably. I know there's lots of things maybe spinning in your mind if you've been around church culture for a long time. And, and a lot of us don't like this tone of like, I don't have to do anything. Well, here's the thing. You really don't. You really don't. It's Your works are not going to make you righteous. Your works may be an outward sign of your righteousness, but they don't identify you as righteous. Let me tell you who identifies you as righteous. It's the blood of the Son of God that identifies you as righteous. His death on the cross, his resurrection has identified because of that act, because he finished the work that you could never finish. He did the work for you. He said, it is finished. All the work is done. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is open up your heart. All you have to do is RSVP. Just let me know you got the invitation because you've been invited to the wedding since the beginning of time. And now through this death, through this resurrection, I've sent the envelope out. It's got your name on it. All you have to do is open it up and say yes. And once you say yes, it's the only work that you have to do. There was an argument happening one time with Jesus. How do we do the works that you do? How do we do all these amazing things? And he said, the only work you have to do is what Jesus said. The only work you have to do is believe. Believe in the one whom he sent. And once you start there, guess what? All the good works happens. The works that James talks about doing that define perfect religion and, and helping the poor, loving the widow, all those things now overflow. They happen as a direct byproduct, motivated and sourced properly because you have a revelation that the first and most important work that you can do is simply believe. But it's not really work. It's simply just open up your hands and say yes to the greatest gift offered mankind. If you're watching right now, maybe you're searching, maybe you're on the road, you feel like you're on the road, like Paul, you're on the road to Damascus, you're on the road somewhere, you have an objective, you have a mission, 
And maybe this may be the season where God knocks you off your horse and kind of surprises you and says, hey, listen, I'm real, I'm real. Or maybe you're the other guy who's, you're, you're searching. You're searching. You've been searching for a while. You've been knocking on the door. I pray that this would be the season that you would see that the door that you've been knocking on the whole time has been the door of Jesus. And the whole time, he's been actually being the one pursuing you. You've been knocking on a door, but he's been behind you knocking on you. He's been going after you. He's been tapping on your shoulder for decades now. And I pray that in this season, you would have that experience where you would know that you know that you know that you are a brand new creation because of what he's done on the cross. He's forgiven you past, present, and future. It's so good. It's too good to be true. He said, I'm thinking of you on the cross. He was thinking of you. He saw your face. He saw you. And he said, I have to do this because if I don't, if I don't, their life won't be recovered. Their life won't be restored. Their life won't be reconciled. And so he was doing this before you were ever even born. This is an amazing, amazing, amazing truth, an amazing reality. So if you're watching right now and you're like, man, I, I want to get off the fence. I want to stop the search. I know this is it. I know Jesus is the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He was the exact representation of God on the earth. And he is here to meet with you in a real way. He wants you to have this born again experience. It may not feel like anything. You may have weeping. You may have an encounter with God. You may be shaking. When you have an encounter with the creator, anything could happen. You just may feel an overwhelming peace. You may feel like something's just like a big weight has been lifted. You've come out of darkness. The fog is lifted. It happens differently for everybody. But the only thing that you have to do is open up your heart. Like I said, Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 10. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you will be raised. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. And he saved us how? The regeneration of spirit and the renewing of the soul. And so all you have to do is say yes. And so if that's you, I want to encourage you right now to say, Jesus I believe that you're God. I believe that you are the king. And I want to make you my leader today. I receive the forgiveness that you already paid for, that you already did, that you already accomplished for my life on the cross over 2,000 years ago. I receive your forgiveness. I believe that you are raised from the dead on the third day, and I believe that you did that to raise me to new life. You, like any other God, you died and you resurrected. That's what separates you from every other small g God out there. You died and you resurrected and you have a plan for my life, and I receive you into my life today. I want a relationship with you. I don't want religion. I don't want to follow a bunch of rules, do's, and don'ts. I want a relationship, and from that relationship, I want to live this righteousness that you've called me to live in Jesus' name. Remind me of who I am today. Remind me of what you have for me. Show me the path ahead. Fill me with the Holy Spirit today in Jesus' name. If you said all that, I think that I believe this, I know this, this is the best decision you've ever made in your life up until this date. And so maybe you're on the journey, maybe it's new for you, maybe it's kind of coming around again and you've kind of come off the fence of compromising your life and let this be a season for you where you remember what he has done in and through your life. And for the rest of us that are just watching right now, I pray for healing over bodies right now because healing is one of the promises that, that's found in this, in this scripture. It's the healing. It's the sozo. It's the full package. Healing of the soul. 
healing of the, the spirit, healing of the body. So I pray right now in Jesus' name for healing. For those of you that are watching right now, you have sickness, you have disease, you have physical issues, maybe slip discs, herniated discs, issues in your body, bones, blood, various organs, brain, heart, whatever it may be, ear, nose, throat, any area of your body, just put your hand on that area right now. We're gonna agree with you for healing to happen right now in your living room, in your bedroom, wherever it is that you're watching, in your kitchen, in Jesus' name. Right now through the camera, God, we just pray and we partner with their faith right now for your healing power to come into their body, for your healing power to overwhelm their emotions, for your healing power to overwhelm their soul, overwhelm their mind, overwhelm every organ that's malfunctioning right now, that's in disorder right now. We pray for creative miracles, things to regrow, to regrow again, where things that, you know, maybe there's issues in parts of the body that they need a creative miracle, something to regrow, or maybe there's a growth that needs to dissolve off their body, a lump, a cancerous lump. We just come against and we curse that lump in your body right now, and we command it to dissolve in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would remove, remove um, uh, impossible, the doctors say, is impossible incurable diseases. In Jesus' name, let it be that in this season for them. I pray that they'd feel right now your power coming through the camera, coming through the screen, screen coming into their body, that they'd feel something powerful. Just put your hands out right now. You're watching. Just close your eyes, put your hands out right now, and just receive this. Father, I thank you that you're doing it right now. That some, there are people out there that are experiencing your power right now. It's like electricity coming through their body. That they're experiencing your love, your grace. Some of you are experiencing like a, maybe like a warmth right now coming through their body, coming through your body. That's just the power of God right now. Let your power, God, continue to do its work right now. Some of you may feel something happening on the inside, someone's stomach. I feel like there's like almost like a butterfly shaking happening right now. God's touching your stomach. God's touching something in your stomach right now. You feel it happening right now in your stomach. Just let it happen. Let it happen in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for what you're doing right now in this moment. I pray for eyes. I pray for ears. I pray for issues with someone's taste, someone has some sort of condition with the taste right now, and God's giving your taste back right now in Jesus' name. I saw him get, touching your tongue. He's giving your taste back to you in this season. You've, you've had like a, a real dulled taste in the last six to seven months. It's been a dulled taste. It's gotten worse, and I pray that in Jesus' name right now. Thank you, God, that you're touching the tongue and you're restoring taste right now in Jesus' name. God, thank you for all the things that you're doing right now infections 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 around the feet i see some sort of infection around one of the toes it, uh, someone watching right now you have an infection or listening to this you have an infection some in one of the toes in one of the toes and i see god touching that infection right now let that infection leave in jesus name right now god restore restore bones restore uh, weakness in immunity, a weakness in the immune system right now in Jesus' name, like uh, blood conditions, anemia right now. I pray for res restoration. Somebody with a respiratory issue. You've had a respiratory issue for five years. You're a male. You've had a respiratory issue for five years, and God's touching that respiratory issue right now in Jesus. It's like almost like an asthma, but you, did, you didn't have it really, really before. It's, it's like it's progressively gotten worse, but the last five years it's been rough even for anything athletic in your life. And in Jesus' name, right now, we command that respiratory issue to leave in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, right now. I just see God touching a Jamie out there. God touching a Jamie. You've been crying out. You've been asking God for like healing in your body, healing in, in this 
in some form of an area of your life. And I, I saw this, uh, just a Jamie, God touching a Jamie. Right now in Jesus' name, we command healing to come to that body right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who restores us, you've regenerated us, you've renewed us. And God, we are living the life of just renewing our mind day in and day out that you've done all this amazing stuff. And as we get a hold of this, our life is going to change. So thank you so much, God, for what you're going to do. Thank you so much, Kingdom Culture, for watching, for tuning in, and for partnering in prayer and in faith. I hope you had an amazing Sunday. And we